planted our church uh, five years ago, coming up in September. It'll be five years, um, which is crazy. Yeah, we made it through COVID. And one of the things, when we planted the church, um, you know, what's neat about planting a church is you get to really think about specifically what is the flavor, what is God going to do? Because no one church can do it all. And so you kind of figure out who's God calling us particularly to be. And we, we came down on this vision statement to seek, love, and care for people like Jesus does. And so care, the, a big part of our vision is leaning towards, and that's the language we use. So seek, love, and care. Seek, we lean towards those who are maybe haven't been in church in a long time, have never been to church, don't know Jesus. Love, we lean towards each other and towards God. Care, we lean towards those who have who are in need in our communities. And we want to be a church that if we cease to exist, the community around us would miss us. Not just the Christians who come on Sunday mornings, but the community around us, the people who are battling homelessness or, um, you know, are battling food insecurity or are, you know, having a difficult time with family issues, that we as a church would literally be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that people could come to us and find hope, and that we could come to them and bring hope and joy and healing and restoration. And so we sat down and we were praying about, like, what do we do as a church? And as I read through kind of the the New Testament, again, especially the first four books that are about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was hard to read it and take out what the Bible, the word the Bible calls is, is the poor. To take the poor out of the Bible and to say that a church could exist and not lean towards those who are in need. And, and I was thinking thoughts like, okay, so I get to heaven, right? Like fast forward a few years, maybe a few decades, hopefully. And I get to heaven and, and Jesus is like, so I see you planted a church, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking he's going to be really happy about that. And he's like, so what, what did you think were the priorities? And then I would have to answer before him, like, well, I thought, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, a really big stage was a priority based on the Bible. And I thought, you know what I mean? Like, what are the things I want to be able to say before God? And if I'm like, yeah, we did these things. And he's like, yeah, but what about the poor? You don't seem to have really cared much. He's like, well, it just was unclear in the Bible. Like, you just couldn't go there. Go read it. Go read Matthew. Go read Luke and see how often Jesus talks about the poor. How often Jesus confronts the religious people for being more concerned with having all their religious things in line, but not having a heart of mercy, not having a heart that leans towards the poor. He talks about when you throw parties, quit inviting all your friends who you know will give you gifts. Start inviting poor people who you know can't give you gifts. Start inviting people who actually need something. And I want to just today talk about, this is, this is part of what has become the heartbeat of City Light. And my hope and prayer and the leadership's hope and prayer would be that if anybody joins City Light, that you would catch that. That you couldn't come to City Light for too long without catching that sense of we lean towards those who are in need. Both in our community, this community, our church community, but outside of our church community, that we exist to do for the one what we wish, wish we could do for the many. That's one of our value statements. So you can look on our website. We've got nine value statements that kind of describe who we are. We, we wish, we want to do for the one. Because a lot of times these problems seem too big for us, right? And, and so we don't do anything. But what we're going to do as a church is we're committed to doing for the one what we wish we could do for the many. And you've heard those things a lot. You've heard me say it a lot if you've been around for a while. And good. I heard somewhere that leaders are repeaters. And it rhymes because that's what leaders do too. 
So I, that's my job. I, I repeat this stuff over and over again because you are lying in bed at night trying to fall asleep and you're hearing me say, circles are better than rows. And you're like, shut up, you know? And you're hearing me say, let's do for the one what we wish we could do for the many. The thing is, if you do for the one what you wish you could do for the many multiple times, guess what? You just did it for the many. Like, it happens over time. Do for the one, do for the one, do for the one. All right, how many people listen to the podcast this week? Come on. All right, now come on. There is a podcast. Maybe you don't know. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you don't know. All right, we have a podcast. It's called Around the Table at City Light. And each week, we talk about stuff about the church. So this week, I encourage you to go listen to it. We had three interviews with three people in our church about three of the nonprofits we work with, Good Neighbors and Fosterwell and One in 7B. And it's really fun to hear their passion behind what they do and why they do it. And it captures some of who we are as City Light. So in the Bible, this is not a hidden theme. There are hundreds and hundreds of references to caring for the poor. I'm going to give you a small taste. So I'm going to do, usually on Sunday morning, I do like one big scripture passage that we think about and talk about for the whole time. I'm instead today, we're going to travel through the Bible real quick. So we're going to look at the Old Testament. Oh, no, we're not. That's coming in a second. I did a little bit of research about the region that we live in. So we are a tri-state church. We draw people from Newcastle County, Delaware, Cecil County, Maryland, and Avon Grove School District is what SD stands for in Pennsylvania. Kind of those areas, maybe some Oxford, um, maybe some Kennett. But these are the poverty rates in those areas, which are all lower than the national average of like 12 point something. But just, just to give you an idea, in our mission field, Right, the area that we're like quote unquote responsible for. We're not the only church, praise God, but we have seventy three thousand people living kind of just in our immediate vicinity, and that I don't know if you look at that number and think that's low or high, but when I when I look at that number, I think of individuals. Do for the one, seventy three thousand. You read numbers like that, and it can just feel like a blob. But those are like take one of those seventy three thousand and listen to their story. Listen to their story. Like, if you, if you listen to the podcast, my dad talks about some of the families that Good Neighbors serves. And these are families who, like, are, are working-class families who then have an accident. You have a car accident or you have an illness that strikes you, and suddenly the breadwinner is unable to work. And in that time of not having enough money, bills are piling up, and then something goes wrong with their house. I think I've told this story before, but one of the first houses I worked on with good neighbors had a leak in the roof. And you think like, yeah, that's annoying. Like we think a leak in the roof's annoying. When you're in that situation, so that was a house for three people, two of whom were in wheelchairs. They didn't have a handicap ramp to get out of their house. And the leaking roof had leaked so thoroughly to the floor that there was now a hole in their living room floor. And then you could see the dirt beneath it. And it was, I mean, I think it was a trailer that they were living in. And, and so I just want to say that that's one story. You know, um, if you listen to the podcast, Christine tells some stories of some of the foster well people that they work with who are caring for kids who have come out of, you know, not every foster kid, but a lot of kids come out of really difficult home situations. And so that's one number. So 73,000 times that story by 73,000. Would you agree that there is need where we live? And so what is the church's call? Are we just supposed to just have church? Or are we supposed to be the light 
So looking back into the Old Testament, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Bible, right, we have two kind of big sections to the Bible. If you open up the Bible, the very beginning is the Old Testament, and that is the Hebrew scriptures or the scriptures that the Jewish people wrote and followed for thousands of years. Jesus came into that Jewish tradition and part of our heritage. And then the New Testament is from Jesus on through the, his early followers. So in the Old Testament, we have commands or descriptions that we should read. This is about God. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the alien. Now, it's an Old Testament word for an immigrant, a foreigner, a stranger, giving him food and clothing. Listen to the heart of God. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. I want you to remember those two words. We're going to talk about that in a second, okay? Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend whatever he needs. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? So he's in Isaiah, he's kind of condemning this religiosity, this kind of showy religion that has taken place. It's a scary part to read. I would encourage you to read it. He talks, he says, literally says, do I like your worship? No. You, it's like he sets them up. He's like, do I like when you sing me songs? And we're like, yes, of course you do. And he's like, no, absolutely not. I detest them. They make me sick to my stomach. Go read it. Why? Because you're not caring for the poor. Think about that. We could be here singing Hillsong, singing Jesus culture, singing Maverick City. Of course it would please God, right? No. Our songs of worship could be sickening God if we're not being the people that God's called us to do, if we're not leaning towards the poor. Is this not the, the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. What? And justice is kind of a weird word these days, isn't it? I'm not going to go into it, but just briefly, there is biblical justice. The idea of justice is born out of the Judeo-Christian heritage. Now, both the left and the right politically have co-opted the word justice for their own means, and there's some truth, I'm sure, in both of them, right? But as Christians, we are called to exist above the left and the right argument. We're supposed to be pursuing what would biblical justice look like. Let's read our Bibles. Let's become students of the Word of God and find out what does biblical justice look like. And some of these passages are teaching us about that. Are we called to break the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, so the, the heavy burden that people put on other people, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? He's like, let me get more specific. To provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and to turn away from, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. I want you to remember this verse, because Jesus is going to say almost exactly the same thing, right? Let's go to Jesus. Jesus gets up. He's about to begin his ministry, so he's been baptized by John the Baptist. He's gone out into the wilderness and been tested by the devil. He's now come back into town. He's teaching at the synagogue, and this is the first teaching. The first thing he reads, he opens up from Isaiah, where we just were. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Is that an accident? Just like, just like use your rational idea of, you know, is this an accident? Is it a coincidence? He just, it was like his favorite passage growing up as a little kid. He just thought he'd read it. Or is preaching the good news to the poor maybe a crucial integral part of our mission 
So remember, we're talking about the book of Acts. We're studying the book of Acts as a church. We're talking about how if we summed up the book of Acts in one word, it would be go. We've talked about going, being on mission, being on-call Christians, being empowered by the Holy Spirit Christians. And part of who we need to go towards is we need to go towards those in need. We need to have our feet pointed towards and our hearts pointed towards and our hands open to those in need. Proclaim the good news of the poor to the poor. Set the captives free. Recover your sight to the blind. Set the oppressed free. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus tells a story later in Matthew. Okay, he tells this story of, don't read ahead. Okay. He tells this story of two groups of people at the end of time. And one group of people, he'll say, you're blessed. And another group of people who say, you're cursed. And the ones who are blessed, he said, for I was hungry and you gave me food and I was naked and you gave me clothes. And then the others, you say, you didn't. Okay, and they ask, like, when did we ever see you hungry, Jesus? And he says this. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you stra- a stranger, you, see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Do you see the thread and this is only a few. Do you see the thread of, through Scripture? We skipped over like Psalms and Proverbs. Psalms and Proverbs are chock full of verses about breaking the oppression of the rich over the poor. Whenever we feed the hungry or give drink to the thirsty or give hospitality to the stranger, not just our buddies, visit those in prison, pray for the sick, clothe those who don't have worldly goods, whenever we do that for the people who we know who are in need or the people in our towns who are in need, we do it for Jesus. We're literally ministering unto Jesus. This is one of the reasons why I think in Isaiah, God says, your worship's become detestable to me. It's because how we worship isn't just through song. That's like a beautiful add-on. But you know, another one of our sayings is we, we want to be Christians the other six days, right? This is great. But the other six days is what really matters. How are we loving our neighbors? We worship Jesus by loving our neighbors. We worship Jesus. We minister to Jesus when we give food to the hungry. And it continued. Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. The church started in Acts, and I thought it would be smart to land in Acts. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that all that were needy, all the needy, okay, that there were no needy persons among them. No needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them and brought the money from sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is the spirit of Christianity. We see it all through church history. I mean, you can look like in the early 300s. I, I was just reading this in a book recently. And it was like common practice to take babies and throw them on the side of the road if you didn't want them. And people would just see, you know, infants like dying, dead, discarded. And the church started picking these babies up and raising them. And that kind of started what we know today as like adoption, foster care. I mean, trace back the history, like hospitals really started by Christianity. I mean, look look back and see. I know Christianity's done a lot of harm, right? I'm not saying Christianity is always good. A lot of bad things have been done in the name of Jesus, but like that's also an overstatement to say that, like, don't close your eyes to all the good that has been done in the name of Jesus. This is part of our heritage, is what I'm saying, to lean towards those who are in need. 
okay? And yet, early in Acts, we have two examples of this not happening. So if you've read this week, we're supposed to read up to Acts 15. So we were 10 to 15 this week. And I'm not going to read these because they're long, okay? But there's two controversies that happen. The first controversy in Acts 6 is there's, all right, you with me still? There's Greek widows, Greek Jewish widows, and Hebrew Jewish widows. And the Hebrew Jewish widows were being taken care of by the early church, and the Greek Jewish widows were not being. And so what we see is we see racism already creeping in. We see favoritism. We see um, a lack of ability to cross over ethnic lines. And we see that creeping in. And what, we, and what the apostles do is they raise up leaders from within the Greek Jewish Christians, and they say, we want, that's where Stephen came from, and they say, we want you to lead this ministry, and they start a ministry to make sure the food and goods are evenly distributed. But what I want you to see is, already there was this tightening, like hardening of the heart and tightening of the fist. This is for the Hebrew Christians, the Hebrew widows, not the Greek widows. And the apostles were like, no, 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 we need to open soft hearts, open hands, Gentile controversy started. So in Acts 15, there's, so what's been happening is, like I said, it starts with the Jews. Pentecost happens. It starts to flow out. Gentiles, who just a word for non-Jewish, start to get saved. And the Jewish believers are like, those Gentile Christians need to observe the Mosaic law. They need to get circumcised. They need to not eat pork. They need to, all these things, right? And Paul and some of the apostles are like, no, 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 no. We learn from Jesus that that's not where salvation is. Salvation is through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Why would we make them do that? It never worked for us. And there's this big argument. And if you read Acts 15, it's really cool because the apostles all get together and they're like, listen, God, God just wants you to walk in faith in Jesus. So they're like, walk in faith in Jesus. Don't worship idols. Don't be sexually immoral. And you know what else they said? We're going to look at it. This is later, Paul's writing about this time. He's reflecting on it. And he says, I went to make sure that I wasn't messing up the message. And he says, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, move towards those who are far from God. All they asked that we should continue to do is to remember the poor. Like they could have said a lot of other things, couldn't they? Remember to teach the Torah. Make sure you observe the Sabbath. Make sure you teach the Ten Commandments. All true. But they're like, just don't forget the poor. Why? It probably is easy to do. There's a lot going on. They're like, listen, soft hearts, open hands. This is what we see twice already in Acts. Two times, just in the first few chapters of people starting to want to hold Christianity to themselves and hold stuff to themselves. And I want to just say that that's a reality that we live in today. So we need to be missional in our thinking. We need to move towards, go towards the poor, the needy, the hurting, the broken. We need to go towards those who are struggling with addiction. Addiction is such an astronomically huge problem where we live right here, Newcastle County, the Avangrove School District, Cecil County. Talk to people who work in social work. It is a huge problem right now. How do we as a church care for those who are struggling with addiction? How do we care for those who are struggling with mental illness? How do we care for those who struggle with food insecurity? Can I tell you that when we started the church, 
and we felt this call to be a church that leans towards the poor, I thought, God, this has got to be a joke because I am terrible at this. Like, I'm good at some things as a pastor. Like, there's things I felt confident in planning the church. I knew I could, like, help lead a worship team. I knew that I could teach pretty regularly um, or all the time, apparently. But, uh, but, like, caring for the poor is, like, not my thing. Can I just tell you that? Like, if we're being real, it intimidates me as a person, right? As a pastor, I get up and I tell you guys you should do it. But as a person... It intimidates me. I don't know why. It intimidates me. It, um, I, I feel like equal parts, like I, I struggle with guilt and, and I struggle with, I don't know what to say. I struggle with the whole like, am I just like making myself feel better? Like swooping in, doing one good thing and, and then I can feel no guilt for a year. I'll be honest with you, like a lot of churches, and this is not a slam on other churches, but they do like a love day, right? Where they do one day where they all serve. And I know they're serving all year long too. And I'm so not, but I'm just saying, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do 100 hours of service and have it last two months because, and why we also ask our small groups to all serve at least once a semester because we want serving those who are in need to be part of who we are, not just a, a box we check off. This has got to be a part of our discipleship, part of how we follow Jesus. That as I follow Jesus, I, have, I am serving the poor. But I'm just telling you, this terrifies me. I, I, feel, I feel like I've gotten slightly better at it, but like, it is not my gift. Just like mission work, like going on mission trips, not my gift. I know it's important, but it's not my gift. And that's okay. That's why we have other people that are good at things. But this is hard for me. And I thought, it was a, I thought it was almost like a joke when God was like, hey, I think you should start a church that should lean towards the poor and lean towards those who don't want to go to church. I was like, okay, so no one's coming? You know? It's like, it's like trying to start like a, uh, you know, a, a steakhouse and then just solely advertise it to vegetarians. Like, yeah, this is going to work. All right? But the Lord's been in it. And he obviously wanted to teach me and break my heart for the things that break his, right? To give me a heart for those who are hurting. It's so much easier to circle the wagons, isn't it? It's so much easier to turn a blind eye to those who are in need. So let me give you a few ways that we can do this. We can lean towards those who are in need with our heart, our hands, and our voice. Our heart starts there, our hands, and our voice, okay? So it starts with our heart. And we can remember that every person is created in the image of God, no matter how much you don't understand them, no matter how much you look at their lifestyle or the decisions they've made, right, that have gotten them into that place and you judge them, they're still an, a, a daughter or a son of Jesus. Proverbs tells us, whoever oppresses a poor man, look at that, insults his maker. See, Jesus doesn't look at people and say, you are struggling with addiction, you are less. Or you are poor, you are less. In fact, I mean, you could easily make the argument from Scripture, blessed are those who are poor. <laughs> That's in the Bible. But Jesus often takes the foolish things of the world and uses them to shame the wise. And the poor things of the world to shame the rich. Right? Jesus often says things like, you are poor and broken and dirty, but you just don't see it. Here's the beautiful thing about Christianity is that we understand, our heart understands, we should understand that we are poor, 
that it is only from the grace of God that we become rich. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about life. We come to the cross poor, broken, lacking. We can't control our lives. We can't make ourselves better. We can't overcome our own issues. We need Jesus. And that's the gospel message is that because of Jesus, we've been made rich, not with money, but rich with God's blessing in our lives, rich with salvation, with forgiveness. And it's from that understanding, I am poor. There's this beautiful saying that I never remember who said it, but it was an old theologian. He said, but for the grace of God, there go I. And what he meant was in any situation, anytime he felt tempted to judge someone, he had to remember that's me without God's grace in my life. But for the grace of God, there go I. Instead of the opposite, which is you look on someone and you're like, good thing I'm not like him. I'm a good person. I'm a better person. No. You have the grace of God and that's something that you're meant to give away. Can we begin to see people? See, it's so easier to like drive by the person who's begging or to ignore the, the moment that's like where in our culture where people maybe are being oppressed or to ignore problems that seem too big and we just walk by them. We close our eyes to them. We get too busy. We fill our lives so we don't have to feel the pain or deal with the issue or maybe even look at the ugliness in our own hearts. Because sometimes when you have to help people who are in need, you find out you're greedy. Or you find out that you're a little bit, have favoritism. Or you're a little bit judgmental. Or maybe you have like cultural judgments about specific kinds of people that you have to face, you have to deal with. And so it's easier just to walk away from that stuff, isn't it? But we remember like that these are the image bearers of God. That every child, and this is why foster care and supporting the foster care people is so important. Every child is made in the image of God. Every person who's battling homelessness is an image bearer of God. And so it starts in our heart. Remember that verse in Isaiah that said, do not be tight-fisted and hard-hearted. So we open our hearts. We soften our hearts. God, let me learn to see people like you see them. So, at risk of you thinking less of me, I'll tell you a story. Um, so, been partnering, we've been partnering with St. John's African Methodist Church in Newark. We just did it yesterday. And every month, we hand out about 40 to 50 boxes of food. We supply some money because they're a church of like 25 people, but they're feeding like 40 to 50 families a month. Huge boxes, huge boxes of food, like meat, canned goods, tons of food. And so we go, we, we, we help pay for it, and we also help pack it because they're also, like most of them are, um, you know, older and, and, and some of them are frail. And it, just to be honest, like it's hard to carry all these huge um, pallets of cans in and then organize them. So anyway, we do those things. And the first couple times, like I'd see these people coming in and, you know, a lot of the people we're giving food to um, are, are really in difficult situations. And I felt uncomfortable. And it was easy for me to just like think those thoughts. You know the thoughts you think? Like, what did you do to get into this situation? What mistakes did you make? How, how did you not know how to handle your money right? Or are you not a hard enough worker? And all those things, right? And it's, it's, it's an ugly part of my heart. And then like after a couple months, Blaine, Pastor Blaine and I were talking. He was like, I would love for you to, to show our people kind of how to pray for people because we don't really do that. And I said, okay. Yeah, so what I do now is I, I go up to the car and I'm like, hey, my name's Christian. 
Pastor Blaine and I were two churches partnering together. I have a little card I give them that invites you to both churches. And I say, either one. And can I pray for you? And then once I started to hear their stories, God started to break my heart. Like the woman, um, okay, so the kid who is in his 20s, who's been shot, was shot in the head and survived, but has brain damage and is also trying to care for his elderly mom. And this other elderly one was telling me, I remember when he was a little boy and he was so cute and he had so much promise. Or like this other woman who brings five boxes to families in her neighborhood every time. And like she isn't like wealthy, <laughs> right? Like I started to hear these stories like, can you pray? And, and so many times it's, can you pray for someone else? And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I can. But what do you want prayer for, right? Like there was just, and not all of them were horrible, sad stories, but there was a few of them. Like the, the woman who's um, raising three kids on her own and one of them is, is um, really what I would say is low on the autism spectrum, is low-functioning autism. Beautiful boy. Um, I got him to actually look at me and talk to me because I was very persistent. You know, prayed for his mom. Tried to pray for his mom, and he was screaming and yelling, and, and you know. But, like, he started to say, like, oh, oh, right. They aren't numbers. These people aren't statistics. These are people, and they have stories. And rather than assume it, why don't I, why don't I step towards them? Like, what would Jesus do in that situation? Jesus was constantly moving towards people who other people were moving away from. And so I wonder how we could embody that as a church. Number two, we can be generous. First John tells us, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart, you see the connection again? Closes his heart. If our heart closes, our hands close. Like they're connected. If our heart begins to open, if you really start to love people that are hurting and have less than you, your hands just open. Like you can't stop it. You know, I got I got to be generous. It just comes up, overflows. You can't, like giving, that's why Jesus says that he loves a cheerful giver because you can't just give out of like um, obligation. It has to come from your heart, okay? Yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Man, that's challenging, isn't it? This is basically saying, like, if you aren't generous with people in need, do you really have the love of God in you? Because the love of God is always generous to those in need. Little children, let us not love in word or in talk. Hmm. Let that sink in to our social media virtue signaling society that we live in right now. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right? Like every time I do something good, I want to post a picture of it. Make sure everybody knows I was here. But let's do it in deed and in truth. Let's do it in deed. And let's be generous. All right, I'm just going to tell you another story about me. These are not in my notes. The reason I reached out to Pastor Blaine. Um, so, like, fat, rewind to the summer when there was, like, um, everything... The horrible things happened with um, the police, and I always get his first name in George Floyd. I always say Floyd George. George Floyd. And then there was like this pressure, I'm being real honest with you, as a pastor, to like be outspoken on social media about racism. Okay? Now, obviously, the Bible is very clear that there's no room for racism in the body of Christ. Okay? But, like, it felt to me like there was this pressure to, to say things that, like, 
first of all, people should know that I already think because I'm a follower of Jesus, so why do I need to say it? And it also felt like a weird moment. Like, you have to say this stuff now, but like, check back in three months, I won't be talking about this. Or maybe in three weeks. And so I did, I think I did, like, what I did was I shared some stuff from some um, of my black colleagues in the vineyard who had some really good stuff to say, I thought. But I asked, I was asking the Lord, and we were asking the Lord, and the leadership was asking the Lord, what, what, is there a, like, here's what I wanted to, here's what I'm trying to say. I didn't want to just, like, flash in the pan, do it in the moment, and then walk away from it. If I really think it's an issue, if I do, then I should do something about it. If not, then what, what right do I have to say something about it? Does that make sense? Like, let's not love in talk. Let's do something with our feet and our hands. And so I actually happened to be building a friendship at the time with the mayor of Newark, and he knew the president of the NAACP in Newark. I had attended one of their meetings, just getting to know him. His, his name escapes me. Oh, um, uh, uh, no, his name escapes me. It's like Morgan something. And um, and I said, hey, is there, a, is there an African-American church in Newark that I could partner with? And he's like, you need to meet Pastor Blaine. So here's my phone call. Pastor Blaine, I'm a white pastor of a predominantly white church. We would like to work together with a black pastor from a black church. What do you say? I don't know if that's wrong. Like, can I just be honest? Maybe that's offensive. Maybe you're sitting here and you're more enlightened than I am. And you're like, oh man, I cannot believe you just said that. But that's like what I said, and he was like, that sounds beautiful. We're the body of Christ. I said, when can we start? And the first one, remember? The first one was, he had the, the food truck from the bank, uh, food bank of Delaware, and it was like 100 families. It was phenomenal. And he and I are becoming friends, and we don't have the same, we don't align theologically, right? We're, we're a little bit different theologically. We have very different pasts. He was a military guy. i um, nowhere near that, you know? He's older than me. He's a generation above me. He's black. I'm white. I don't know if you picked up on that part of the story. But like, we're walking together. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, let's be generous with our hands and our actions. Stop saying like, oh, I wish. Or, oh, you know, I'll pray. Pray's good. But like, get some skin in the game. Who's hurting around you? What, where could you give money? If you're not like, I, I have, I, God has blessed me with financial resources. We need money to do the will of God. Maybe he's given you time. Maybe he's given you, all right, this is the stupid thing I can never forget. Time, talent, and treasure. I'm sorry. Once it gets in your head, you can never forget it. But you can, you can be generous with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Like, what, do you, what talents do you have? What skills do you have that you could donate? Are you hearing me? Okay, image number three is we can be a voice for those who don't have a voice. I mean, it's in the Bible. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Okay, now let's figure out how to do that. If you listen to the podcast, are you going to listen to the podcast now? All right, good, because I'm going to keep saying it. If you go back and listen to this week's podcast, Christine talks about foster well being this bridge between foster families and people who want to help foster families. There's a whole group of people who are like, I believe in, like, I, I want to, I care about kids into the foster system, but I'm not like in a place where I can be a foster family. And so there's this huge population. And then there's this smaller population of people who are fostering. And, and they don't like, they don't have a voice. And so Christine gives them a voice. Foster Well and Care Portal and what we do with City Light, we say, 
They have a voice. So now we need something isn't a bad thing for them to say. And that voice, we become that voice. Hey, there's a family that needs a crib. They just got three kids. They just found out they're showing up tonight. They don't have a crib. Like they have a bunch of stuff, but you can't control what ages show up. They, may, they need some clothing. for, And so then that comes to this wider population. You know, Mark shares about how he's a voice for those who don't have a voice. One in Seven B Foundation works with the homeless population in Delaware primarily. And so he meets people and he talks about, we're trying to figure out, like if you're, if you're struggling with addiction and you need to get to recovery, right? He's, he talks about these people who have, say, like, okay, the next recovery appointment is next week. And from today until next week, they hit a speed bump in life. And the speed bump for you and I, we would surmount it and keep going. But for them, it knocks them off and they don't make it to recovery. So he's like, how can we be a voice for them? How can we even maybe get them to recovery that day? They can't, okay? They're in a place in life, some by their own fault, some by circumstance. Like, I mean, do we really want to withhold the mercy of God just because maybe they made some bad decisions? I'll let you wrestle with that question because apply that to our lives and salvation. Okay. So like, how do I, how, how do we meet them? How do we become a voice for those who don't have a voice? It's part of our biblical justice. Our hearts are open. Our hands are open. And our mouths are open? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really work, but our voices are loud. Uh, it would have no, I just would say, open hearts, open hands, and we use our voices, okay? That we are engaged. I'm going to read you something real quick about the vineyard, and then we're going to stop. This is from our website, Vineyard USA. And from the beginning, this is a weird thing that John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, used to say, but he used to say, the meat is in the streets. He was a like a genius at like making slogans that you would remember. But the meat is in the streets. And what he meant was like, don't get so inwardly focused. Where God is working is outside the four walls. And so here's on our website, after Jesus's resurrection in the earliest years of the church, the Roman government struggled to care for the masses of widows and orphans overrunning their society. Motivated by, motivated by Jesus's model and realizing that the poor were to be welcomed as Jesus himself. We read those verses. The early Christians addressed the issues of social struggle surrounding orphans and widows. Some scholars suggest that this may have been the primary reason that the church grew like wildfire in its first century of life. I've read that in multiple commentaries and books about early church history, is that their hospitality, their caring for the orphans and widows is what just spread Christianity. They were like, Christians are so loving and so caring and they're helping since those early days, the church of Jesus Christ has been marked by our care for the least, the last, and the lost. When the marginalized and forgotten of any society are brought into the center of a loving community that worships Christ, powerful things begin to happen. Amen? I love that. Okay, so let's go towards those in need. Let's see them as image bearers. Let's open our heart. Let's be generous with our time, our talent, our treasure. Let's have open hands. Soft hearts, open hands. Let's speak up. Let's use our voice when, it, when it's appropriate. All right, so your next steps coming out of this teaching. Number one, read Acts 16 to 17. We're gonna be jumping into, um, next week's topic is about how God turns horrible things into good things. All right, we're gonna read the upside down economy of God. So Acts 16 and 17, a bunch of terrible things happen and God uses those things and maybe you'll be able to apply that to your life. And number two, is let's do it. Let's do 100 hours of service, right? Let's get out and start serving those who are in need. Let's go towards those in need. And this isn't in the Bible, but go on our website and record your hours. Okay, so the picnic today, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna seamlessly transition to the picnic. You ready for this? 
I'm going to pray for you, but let me give you some instructions. We're going to put some music on, and then you don't have to move these chairs this time, okay? Here's what we have. We have food there that'll be ready in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, okay? Tables back there. You can eat in here. You can eat outside. So we're going to open those doors. There's tables and chairs outside. It's a pretty nice day. We have lawn games outside um, on the grass. The gym is also open, all right? So in the gym, you kids can go play. We would ask that you take care of your children, all right? So we don't have, um, to my knowledge, we don't have anyone in there watching the kids in the gym. So it's going to be on you guys to do that. So maybe like have a parent go and do some and then switch off and, you know, and what? Oh, and the bleachers, please tell your kids the bleachers are off limits. The bleachers are pushed in and so that, but kids can climb up to the very top and then run along them, which we've seen happen before, and then fall and get concussions. So just tell them the bleachers are off limits. If you see a kid in the bleachers, nicely tell them to get off and help them down. Did I forget anything? Food, tables, games, gym, watch your kids. And let's, let's talk to people. Like, let's, let's hang out. We're here till, you know, as long as you guys want to. Basically, 1, 1.30, let's hang out and have fun. So will you stand with me? Let's pray. God, we're challenged by the word of God as usual. And so I pray that today um, it wouldn't be overwhelming for us, but that we would start to feel just the nudge of the Holy Spirit where we can start to move towards and go towards those in need. That we can start to have soft hearts and open hands, God, and, and a willingness to speak up for those who don't have a voice. God, that you would teach us about what it looks like to have biblical justice flow from us to the communities that we live in. God, show us how to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our schools, in our school districts, in our communities, and the places that we frequent, God. Help us to have that heart. Show us how to care for the one, like we wish we could care for the many. We pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen.